The opinions, comments, and views contained in Hop Topics are not necessarily those of the Vibes Broadcast Network or anyone else on planet Earth, or even mine 15 minutes from now. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, what's up? It's uh, Chris Hopkins, and we're back with a uh, next episode, a new episode of uh, Hop Topics. I'm in Texas now, so I guess this would be season two. We kind of rebooting back up, and want to say hello to everybody out there listening. All the friends on Vibe uh, Broadcast Network, what's up to Kyle, and all my friends back in Chattanooga and scattered through the country in Ohio. Uh, just got done watching UFC on ESPN uh, 8 last night, but a lot of UFC action here in the last couple of, uh, couple about a week, week and a half, so uh, UFC's been posted up in Jacksonville, Florida. They had the um, Gaethje versus uh, Tony Ferguson fight, pay-per-view. Uh, UFC on uh, ESPN 7, which was uh, Anthony Smith uh, versus Glover Teixeira. And in the uh, fights last night, a uh, pretty eventful, emotional fight. Um, Overeem versus uh, Walt Harris coming back. His first fight after the, the uh, tragic uh, passing of his daughter, untimely death. And there's a lot going on, man. Um, a lot, a whole lot of action going on. The thing that I really kind of want to get to is... The elephant in the room is this whole COVID coronavirus situation. Um, Dana White, he had this little fight island idea. That got nixed by the uh, state of California, ESPN. State of Florida was uh, gracious enough to go ahead, let him post up down there in Jacksonville for uh, three events. And I understand Dana's sentiments. I'm not I'm not about to get into political shit on y'all because I'm not. This, this ain't the forum for it. I don't want to have to come to the Internet and slap shit out of nobody. So we're going we're gonna to leave that alone. But I do see where Dana was coming as far as trying to make sure that there was still programming going on just to have something. And um, I see where there is a need for that. But I kind of feel like if you're going to go through that and you're acknowledging, you know, the dangers and risks and that this isn't a normal situation, I feel like you should take that that same effort or that same mindset as far as uh, compensating the fighters, maybe a little bit more than normal. I feel like obviously guys were able to train, come in and shape, but it's nowhere near the same type of camper situation that they would have had if um, there was no coronavirus, um, access to training facilities, access to strength and condition, access to uh, training personnel, the training partners. I don't care who you are, where you were, all that shit was affected this time. So I feel like a lot of these guys were taking the opportunity. They took one for the team, you know, did a good turn for the company and got out there. And it may not have been their best effort, but they got out there and made it happen. Um, a lot of guys out there um, really kind of might have damaged their careers or what they had planned, especially uh, Anthony Smith, uh, Matt Brown, and then especially Tony, Tony Ferguson with him uh, taking a loss to Gaethje. Um, touching on Anthony Smith, man, that was a crazy situation too. He was uh he was winning versus Glover. He's also the uh, victim of a home invasion robbery about a month ago. I don't know when it was. It's kind of crazy. He had, I guess, he struggled. He tells us with the uh, intruder. Comes to find out the intruder was an ex Division One wrestler. Got caught in a string of other burglaries. So yeah, he had that going on. Uh, had the uh, postponement. He looked a little bit skinny. He looked really slim for a, a normal two hundred five guy. So. Might have been issues as far as him cutting down, holding the weight. Glover looked crisp. Uh, 
beginning of the fight, man, Anthony Smith was really touching him up, moving around. Didn't seem like he was really doing a lot of damage to Glover. And then once Glover was able to uh, find his timing and start landing heavy shots on Anthony Smith, they were uh, taking his toll. It kind of made me sad to see him take that damage like that. There's been a lot said about, you know, uh, whether or not his corner should have stopped the fight, the ref should have stopped the fight, all of that. The thing that worries me is this man only made $130,000 for that fight. He lost tooth, he lost teeth, uh, broken orbital. And no matter what, he's going to be without his main source of income for a, a, a decent amount of time. And I know that uh, Dana, they give, you know, backstage bonuses. There might be some other pay involved. So I'm hoping they slide that man an envelope, you know, get him back on his feet. Because he's a really tough dude, man. He got in there against John Jones. Um, he's kind of come from the bottom, man. He's not from no big camp, not a big name. He worked his way up. And I think he's a cool story. And, and the fight game needs guys like him. I just don't like that sometimes the fight game will chew guys up like him and spit them out. And, and they don't really get the, the, the financial or the other accolades they deserve for keeping the sport moving. So shout out to Anthony Smith, man. I hope you recover good, man. Um, my pay grade, I ain't got the pay grade to be talking about your corner, whether or not they were confident or not. That's not my that's not my lane. Um, I'd like to see you come back. You know, if you got to change camps, whatever, but they're solid dudes. Um, speaking of solid dudes, uh, Matt Brown was back in action last night against a new little whippersnapper, man. Dude came in 8-0. Matt was beasting him up in normal Matt Brown fashion. But uh, Young Buck started finding that timing. He landed a couple on Matt. He got him, man, with a, a crisp hook. I thought it was a quick stoppage, but he landed it on the button, and, man, he nailed a couple. And Sometimes you got to get those quick stoppages to make sure you can live the fight another day. Um, Matt's not getting any younger, but I think he'll be back. And I also think that was also a situation of maybe uh, coronavirus not allowing him the full camp that he wanted to be able to have the full strength and condition. Just a little bit low, slow and uh, sluggish like he was in his normal self because he's coming off a layoff too. So looking forward to him getting back. I think he's still got some, uh, some gas in the tank. Um, don't count Matt Brown out yet. Um, last night, wow, Overeem versus Walt Harris. Everybody, um, Walt Harris is a sentimental favorite after uh, losing his daughter to a tragic, uh, tragic uh, murder situation. I don't even want to go into that. That's just disgusting to me. You're victimizing women. You're just a piece of shit. Um, he came back in, you know, fought the heartache, got through a camp. He was like Overeem up early in that first round. Had him busted up, cut up, had him kind of down in situations where if he had maybe had paced himself, been a little bit more accurate, patience with his shots, he might have been able to finish Overeem. He had Overeem in that much trouble. Yeah, I'm over here drinking the Whataburger iced tea. Fuck y'all. But uh, Overeem, it was weird. It was like a little tank tie-up kind of pushed him and landed on top of Harris, and once he started landing those big shots on Harris, he really took advantage. Fight was kind of even, settled down, second round, man, Overeem landed that, uh, he landed a high kick, I don't know if it was partially blocked, man, but he got a 265-pound man like that throwing a high kick at that speed, man, he hit, he hit Harris with that high kick, and he got him down, Harris hung out, you know, held on for as long as he could, um, Overeem was able to break him down and get the hooks in and flatten him out. Ref tried to give him time to uh, recover. Even Overeem was really looking like he didn't want to keep going to finish the fight, but he was able to uh, go ahead and finish Walt Harris and get that, get the victory. Um, nobody really 
wanted to see Harris take that loss, but I like Dana White's uh, comments after it said, you know, he didn't really believe in moral victories, but the way that uh, Harris fought, made sure he got in there. He had nothing to be ashamed of, and he'll be back. So that was that was really cool to see. I, I, I didn't want Overeem to lose, but I didn't want Harris to lose either. Somebody's got to win or lose. It was a good fight. I hope um, it doesn't hurt Harris too much in the rankings and he's able to back bounce back up and start getting uh, quality fights and move back up the uh, heavyweight rankings once uh, this whole coronavirus crap is over with, the world opens back up. Um, one of my heroes last night, and, and is long overdue, Kevin Abonster Randleman from Sandusky, Ohio, was uh, announced as um, a newest member of the pioneer wing of the UFC Hall of Fame. So, posthumous shout-out and congratulations to uh, Kevin Randleman. You're always going to be here, Kevin Randleman. You know, one of the originators of Shit, MMA, fuck it. MMA really wasn't MMA until Hammerhouse came in and showed that dominant wrestling and ground and pound. You had dudes in pajamas was talking about they was kung fu masters, dude with one boxing glove, motherfuckers out here, sumo wrestlers and shit. Um, it was really a circus free-for-all before Hammerhouse, Mark Coleman, Wes Sims, and uh, the late great Kevin Randleman came in. Man, they did it here. They did it in Japan. Um, Kevin was loved by all. Uh, just a just a great person, phenomenal athlete. Obviously, 5'10", 230, just fast twitch muscle. I thought he killed Fedor when he dumped him on his head. That's still one of the, the, the craziest strikes in uh, all of uh, mixed martial arts history. And then the, the way he just blasted Krokop when Krokop was at his crime, and nobody did that to Krokop. You can't tell the story of mixed martial arts, not just the UFC, but you can't tell the story of the history of mixed martial arts. Without Kevin the Monster Randleman and his uh, long overdue, well deserved induction into the USC Hall of Fame as a pioneer in the Pioneer Wing. So I'm looking forward to uh, him actually getting more accolades as he deserves, and he should always be remembered as a hero. I want to thank y'all for popping in. About to be back with the next segment. I'll add me and my sponsors next. Welcome back to Hop Topics. Uh, welcome back to the uh, second portion. Time to talk about subject in a sport near and dear to my heart. Football. I'm going to talk a little NFL and a little bit of not NFL, a little bit of otherwise football. Um, recently, I know I'm late to the party, went down a wormhole on Netflix watching the show uh, Last Chance You. Um, watch both seasons of the uh, Eastern Mississippi Community College, and I got through the uh, the first season of the uh, Independence Kansas, and man, that, that show's super entertaining, um, drama, sports, action, it's enlightening, a little bit of comedy, but just looking at the whole structure of the show, I think it's kind of crazy that, you know, football is a sport where you're really forced to have to go the academic route. Baseball, people can uh, get drafted out of high school, go straight to the minors. Uh, some guys don't even play high school ball or get looked at through school. They get looked at through uh, travel ball or, you know, American Legion, AAU. Uh, basketball is uh, is similar. You can get looked at and discover uh, avenues other than uh, playing school ball, uh, AAU, uh, different uh, shirt tournaments sponsored by shoe companies. And the NBA has now made it where 
Uh, they do have the one and done, but if you don't even want to go to college, you can go straight to the D League or you can play uh, foreign. So you don't really have to go to uh, a, a college to uh, advance your uh, career as an athlete in any sport in the country other than football, really. And it's kind of crazy. The need for a, a minor league or a bridge to the NFL in addition to or maybe um, in substitute of in some places or supplement uh, the college football system is something I think a lot of people have seen that there's not just a market but a, a definite need for uh, the second uh, incarnation of XFL started off pretty well. <clears throat> they did a lot better than the uh, the other league, the AAF, that uh, didn't make it. Uh, the AAF, the games weren't exciting. They didn't do a good job of creating stars. Nobody knew who anybody was on any of the teams. There were no remarkable breakout players or performances. <clears throat> and the games weren't that exciting, so... As much as they tried, the AAF really didn't have a reason for people to tune in. The uh, XFL did not have that problem. They had uh, some stars that they had brought in who uh, carried the first few weeks, like uh, Cardale Jones, the ex-Ohio State quarterback, who had the uh, Washington team undefeated starting off. And then they developed a guy, um, quarterback for the uh, Houston Roughnecks, uh, previously on the uh, practice squad and on the roster, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, what was his name? P.J. Yeah, P.J. Walker, P.J. Walker, quarterback, Houston Roughnecks. He uh he lit the league up, man. Super accurate, uh, super dynamic. Uh, lots of touchdowns. Just just made happy stuff happen. Had Houston going up and down the field. Uh, previously uh, on the uh, Indianapolis Colts uh, roster and practice squad, he got an XFL look on a good word from uh, Andrew Luck and his pops because he backed Andrew Luck up, and uh, he got in there. I think it was like Landry Jones. It was some guy who was supposed to be a big name that he beat out, and he never looked back. And uh, really lit the league up. Was probably the uh, lock for the league MVP before the league shut down due to coronavirus. And uh, for his efforts, he actually was he got a contract with the Carolina Panthers, so he was able to move on. There's another guy, and it, it really um, fits in with the narrative. Guy named uh, Kenny Robinson, a former safety at West Virginia. He got kicked off the team for academics fraud. Guess he got caught cheating on a test. Um, he went to the XFL, balled out, was uh, one of the uh, all XFL players at the uh, midpoint of the season. He was actually drafted in the fifth round by Carolina. So, mind the Carolina Panthers organization, either the new guys or the old guy was watching those XFL games because. They went shopping at the XF store, XFL store and uh, popped up with a, a few items. <clears throat> and I think a league like the XFL um, were able to uh, survive. It still might. Somebody might buy it. You know, who knows what's going to shake out. But I think it would have been a good avenue, just like what happened with Kenny Robinson. If something happens where you don't want to go the college route, something happens where it doesn't work out. <clears throat> you can still play football and continue your career. And I think that football is almost cheated because we lose so many players who, you know, for whatever reason, they're just not school material. It's not for everybody. Everybody doesn't want to go to university. Everybody's not a four-year degree. doesn't mean that they're any better, worse. Uh, you got guys with four-year degree living under bridges, and you got guys who can work with their hands 
making, you know, six figures actually building stuff. So I kind of feel that, you know, trying to state that that is the only route to prosperity is a little bit crazy. Heck, you can send these guys to a technical college for two years and then they get their CDL or learn how to build diesel engines or engineering and actually give them jobs so they can go right out and uh, have some high um, highway skills to put them right into the job market. You know, even if you do get that four-year degree, you got a piece of paper, and usually the uh, class load these athletes take doesn't really give them anything, so you wind up trying to get an office job that doesn't, doesn't really work as well for them as maybe a technical career, too. As a technical work, work, uh, would work out instead, I start thinking about one of the guys, uh, he was talking to the academic advisor on uh, Last Chance U. And he said he left high school early and he felt like high school was a waste of time and the academic advisor was so shocked. He was like, why? He was like, we didn't learn anything we're going to be using. He said, it'd be different if I learned something I'd be using in life. And I think that's what happens to a, <clears throat> a lot of people, you know, who don't have the, the, the biggest income or come from a family who have the history of education. And by the time you hit 16, 17, man, you might have to get your own shoes and help put food on the table. So... You know, they're looking at the Pythagorean theorem and something that's not necessary. They need to know how to weld or, you know, rebuild a transmission. It's, and, and like I said, that's there's there's nothing negative to thinking like that. It's almost like the that young player, even in his youth, was being more realistic. He's like, man, y'all keep saying this school stuff, school stuff, school stuff, but I don't really see how that's going to apply to me. It's not something I'm going to be able to go out, you know, be able to eat and feed my family with. So I really hope that something happens where... And maybe investors, I heard uh, Bentham Man, they were trying to uh, sell the rights to the uh, remaining XFL teams and maybe try to get an investor. That looks kind of bleak. <clears throat> He's actually getting sued by Oliver Luck, who we hired as the uh, commissioner, Andrew Luck's father, because he uh, terminated his contract, not paying the executives. It's just, it's a funky situation, and it doesn't look like the financials are going to be worked out. And the sad thing is the, the players and the coaches suffer because they lose an opportunity to uh, continue to do the things that they love and, and to further their career. So it might not be the XFL, but I do believe that there is somebody out there with the means to do it. As taking a look at the situation once the whole coronavirus stuff, you know, blows over and everything is good, where crowds are gathering again, I think somebody with the ability is going to take another stab at this uh, developmental football league thing, and hopefully they get it right this time. And, you might have some of your local uh, stars going straight from high school and going to play this developmental league and then making it on to the NFL or shoot, maybe even hanging out in this developmental league and, you know, making a little bit of coin there and, <clears throat> you know, being able to live a good life off of it and not give so much of their life, you know, playing football and uh, working out, you know, risking injury and going through injury and not seeing any type of financial benefit because it's not like the NCAA or the entities aren't making money off of the athletes. Everybody's making money for the put, but the players. So, and even some of the rulings now by the NCAA where players are allowed to use their likeness, I think that the gig is up and people are seeing how unfair it is. And now it's just basically to the point where people are trying to work out the solution where, you know, kids can be compensated and maybe hopefully they find out a way where a kid, you know, who just may not want to go to college or may not be college material is still able to continue his football career along and maybe make it to the NFL or make some change short of that and keep his dignity. Man, it's been nice talking to y'all, man. I just wanted to come at y'all and holler at y'all while I'm down here in Texas. Uh, again, this is uh, Chris Hopkins, Hot, Hot Topics, uh, my uh, recurring podcast. I'm going to be coming with y'all a little bit more regular. Um, it's great to be back and stay tuned for more details.